Sometimes the prize is not worth the costs. The means by which we achieve victory are as important as the victory itself. Brandon Sanderson. The Dragon Pod from Bending Not Breaking. Book five, Ocean. Chapter five, Archmage Ikiyu. It's that time again, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Dragon Pod. We got an incredible episode ahead talking about episode five. We're all, we're, this is the, like the midpoint of the season. This is big. This is like a, a lot's going on here. We got a lot going down and who better than to have join us for such an, a pivotal episode where things start to shift than our friend, Jesse Inokalia. That's right, folks. Uses he, his pronouns, and he is back. And back on the pod has been putting a lot of fun work out left and right. One of the more recent voices I've had the pleasure of experiencing personally is his rendition of voicing the brain on the new TV series, (laughs) My Adventures with Superman. Uh, Even so, many of you uh, will know and love Jesse for his exceptional talent as the voice of Soren in The Dragon Prince. And we are thrilled, of course, to have you back, Jesse. Welcome. How are you? Thank you. Thank you so much, Ben. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm good. I'm good, man. It's been, I mean, it's been hot labor summer. So we've been, we've been coming back off of that. Congrats to the WGA on their, on their truly historic. That's right. Uh, uh, agreement it's it's astounding it's like the studios just took four months to be like hey we'll just give you everything you want and then more because you've absolutely drubbed us which is delightful um yeah i've been good otherwise it's been a lot of you know working teaching and living life doing my best to at least we love living life. We That's- try to at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess we we hope we love living life. <laughs> What's your favorite thing to teach? I, I, I've seen you do several different, like there are several titles for the types of classes you teach. What's the, your favorite thing to do with. Uh, oh boy. Um, hmm. That's a great question. I, so I teach a lot of acting right now. I have also been back in the practice of teaching Filipino martial arts, which has been lovely. Ooh. Um, I used to, a number of years ago, teach capoeira as well. That has fallen off a little bit as I've been navigating the capoeira world a little more. But um, I would say one of my favorite things to teach genuinely is Filipino martial arts. And one of the reasons why is a lot of people like me who, you know, are Filipino and don't have a whole lot of connection yeah. to their home culture will find connection where they can. And mm-hmm. for me, a big part of it was connecting into my FMA roots, not full metal alchemist. for the, I was about to say. <laughs> I, the amount of times I get that it's, it's wonderful. Um, no, like Filipino martial arts roots, that becomes a real touchstone for people getting back in touch with their culture, you know? Uh, and I'm working with a group right now that is all, you know, Filipino youth that are looking to reconnect. And it's been really lovely to to work with them to try and 
to try and uh, bridge that gap, you know? Awesome. Wow. So pardon my ignorance, but what yes. makes like uh, what makes Filipino martial arts different from just like other versions of martial arts? Like what is uh, unique about it, perhaps? Um, there, first off, there's a lot of them. Um, the style I teach is called modern Arnis. It's, uh, the, the way I've had it described to me and the way that I kind of like to describe it is the gentleman who, who founded the art spent a lot of time studying a whole lot of different, different styles because there's, you know, a different style of martial art for every major Island and then subgroups for all the little islands. And he sought to not only simplify, but streamline. Mm. So he took what he found worked from different FMA practices throughout the Philippines and distilled them into his art, which Got is it. modern Arnie's. So it's, uh, it's, it's markedly efficient. I like to say that, you know, we want to, we want to end a fight quick so we can get home and eat. <laughs> <laughs> it is, uh, a, a lot of our work too, because we are, we're a very weapons heavy style that is in oh, cool. uh knife in stick primarily, but the stick derives from sword because mm -hmm. while we were colonized by the Spanish, they wouldn't let us carry swords because we kept cutting their damn heads off. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of weirdly, it's a lot of the same sort of uh, background that. Capoeira has in hiding its roots from colonizers, which yeah. I think is very interesting. And it resonates with me very deeply. Yeah. And I think that's a, a really important source of resistance, right? To, to cultivate mm -hmm. this, um, you know, what may be a lost art to many people. And you're mm -hmm. having that and reliving into what it means and where it comes from and, yeah, I guess it just keeps the idea of resistance present on the mind, right? Even For sure. In modern day. Yeah. Well, and so it's something, too, that I think is really interesting about the art that in the Philippines, a lot of people are taught Arnis in schools because, of course, they are. You know, it's part of the physical education program. But much like a lot of, you know, academic study, school study, they're not taught the roots of it. Yeah. They're just taught the motions, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the roots of it are so interesting and so fascinating to follow through on because there is this grand history of resistance and this grand history of rebellion and this history of freedom, seeking freedom yeah. that exists within FMA, that exists within truly not all that many martial arts. Like there are a few but a lot of martial arts stems from meditative practice or, you know, martial practice. But there, there are a handful that I really, truly love that are rooted in resistance. Mm -hmm. And I yeah. think those are the most interesting. Well, that's awesome. And I just, yeah, I like y'all, this is a great opportunity for you. Jesse, <laughs> like learn more. That's what a, what a cool experience. Um, Amazing. So you've been balancing teaching these classes. Mm -hmm. You've been doing a lot of that. You've been doing these, you've been doing voice acting, of course. Mm -hmm. um, tell me about what the, it's been a while since we've talked. It's been a while. <laughs> yes, it has. But um, how has your relationship with kind of the Dragon Prince shifted, if if at all? Um, oh, man. Over the past, 
you know, however long it's been. You know, it's funny you say that because this year, 2023, marked the fifth anniversary of the show dropping. Oh, I saw, was it Vilas who made a post about that? Vilas made a post about that. I realized then that it was five years and I was like, (laughs) oh shit, five years, god damn. And, you know, it's been five years since the show dropped, but it's been effectively, you know, seven, Yeah, you know, close coming close to a decade that i've been living with with soren with the show with you know the the friends and and family that i've built out of the show and it's it's really humbling man like Mm. i i'm so thankful to everyone at wonderstorm for the opportunity i'm so thankful to you know, my agents, my 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 castmates, my everybody who pushes me to keep doing what I do. Not that there's ever any resistance to doing what I what I do, but you know, there are there are dark days as there always are. And I am just it it, it really took me by surprise that this is the five year. <laughs> it really snuck up on me, and I was just like, shit, wow. Here we are, five years of the Dragon Prince, yeah. five years of the the community, the fandom, the uh, the the amazing creativity and generosity from everybody surrounding the show and mm. within the show as well. And it's funny too because, like, with season five, <laughs> I feel like I said this last time I was here, but with <laughs> season five, we we are getting started like yikes <laughs> truly it is it is it's happening uh-huh yeah i there's a lot of times where i like as i rewatch this season i'm my brain has intrusive thoughts and <laughs> what's going to happen later mm-hmm. i can all, imagine all of a sudden i'm like oh my god this person's gonna die <laughs> and it comes out of nowhere uh and i'm wondering what what instinctual knowledge is is leading me to that but that, i digress <laughs> like who knows what's <laughs> happening here um, i mean i will say the writers you know uh aaron justin devin uh page van tassel wrote on these joe corcoran eugene ramos yeah. uh ian of course ian hendry they're so they're so fucking smart they're so good like yeah. genuinely as i was reading because i get pardon me i get scripts you know a couple days in advance sometimes and as i would read the scripts and this is no surprise you know i i i will text rack or jason or whomever and be like oh my god can you believe this can you believe this and there were so many of those moments reading through seasons five through seven I was just like, whoa, holy shit. Yeah. Even Aaron, I would text Aaron and be like, Aaron, what are we, this is insane. (laughs) We have the power to change this. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, no, I think that's just so incredible. I just, to think about how, you know, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but thinking about how these, these characters become our friends, right? Mm-hmm. They, it's a parasocial relationship, right? But there it's one-sided theoretically. And it's, it's a relationship still, right? Where we are affected by what happens to these people. And um, 
it's just interesting when you spend, especially in the nature of the podcast and the nature of actually voicing the character, it becomes a point where it's like you spend <laughs> seven years with this person. You spend five for me five years watching and rewatching and building relationship with these people. And, and then when things happen, it's like, wow, that that physically hit me in the gut when X, Y, or Z happens. So yeah. real. Well, you know, it's it's funny because I think about Jack mm-hmm. and how Jack has had a relationship with Sokka for most of his life at this point Uh, yeah like that's wild to me 18 years yeah Yeah, that's that's wild you know um uh jesse flowers toff you know she's been toff longer than she's been jesse flowers yeah (laughs) with love and respect to her of course um I recognize that, you know, these these characters really resonate with a lot of people, you know, and the I I, I want people to understand, too, they resonate with us just as much, you know, probably, yeah. probably more, you know, mm-hmm. like I have I have lived with Soren for seven years and I will likely live with him till I die because the show has been a huge part of my life continues to be a huge part of my life. And the, the writing, the freedoms, the, the character building that have been afforded by the Wonderstorm team to all of us actors has been unprecedented, Mm. truly unprecedented. I think Jason Jason says it best in that, you know, this is an incredibly special show because it's it's been wildly collaborative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes so much sense. It makes sense that it would be special because when people work together, huh, who'd have thought, right? Who'd have guessed? <laughs> right? Who would have guessed? Yeah. Uh, who knows? Oh, man. And oh, this is just such a good insight, too. And to, you're already such a a great guest just in terms of um we've already talked on so many things that are the the primal source and this is like the segment <laughs> and like you've you've given us so much already around what that's like i'm I'm curious if we narrow the focus down to to, to this episode if there's yes let's if there's anything interesting about the the making of or the behind the scenes that happened in in this particular episode oh, wow um so from what I remember and bear with me as my memory is not always great. Uh, (laughs) This episode was still recorded when we were all recording separately. Mm -hmm. So I remember going in. I, I don't think I had met Ben yet, but uh, Ben Callens, of course. Um, I was just endlessly curious about everyone else's performances. Mm. And I was so charmed by the friendship that seems to be happening between Zubeya and Soren. Right? That was... It's it very sweet. Surprise, surprise a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Took me a little by surprise, but I'm here for it. I love it. I think it's very cute. Um, yeah, I just... <laughs> Actually, I do remember one thing. I feel like... And this could be a phantom memory... The animatic I feel that I saw from this episode before anything 
was all of them walking in their dumb shells? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. And I just remember thinking, this is a very, very funny thing. I'm, I hope it stays this funny. And I mean, it does, but boy, stuff happens. Stuff happens. Always, things hit different when you see it out of context. And when it, like, hit all, it's like yeah. all of a sudden you're like, what is going to happen? How do we get how do we get from like from here to there? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, no, that makes a lot of sense. Amazing. So, okay. Um you've been so gracious with all of the all this. It's incredible. Um I want to we we have talked about how we're going to watch and discuss this episode. And uh, in preparation, we were like, what, what is the lens that we're going to pay attention to here? And, uh, threw it, threw it to you and you came back with sacrifice as the lens. sacrifice. And I'm, I'm curious why <laughs> Like, <laughs> led you as your, as your thought process. Yeah. I mean, so much of the show in general is about sacrifice you know uh uh, a mother's sacrifice to rescue her kid and his friend zubeya of course um rayla sacrificing nearly sacrificing her hand in the first three seasons you know because she feels it's the right thing to do um in this episode we have a we have a lot of of smaller moments of sacrifice but we also learn some incredibly big moments of sacrifice yeah. that have happened to set the stage for where things are at. Mm-hmm. Be that with uh, with Kim Dale, be that with uh, Akiu herself, be that with, you know, Zubeya doing yeah. what I think every mother in the world would do. <laughs> yeah. And hide their injury. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think that sacrifice is a big sacrifice is a big theme of the show in general yeah sacrifice in terms of not just you know great personal sacrifice but sacrificing that which we knew Mm, interesting yeah i mean there is it is a very uh what's the word it's a very loaded word oh it's very spicy yeah <laughs> right? it is one of the like there is a lot of uh connotation that comes with the word sacrifice and a lot yes. of judgment that comes yeah. with sacrifice and so i'm curious what your what your personal experience is with sacrifice like if if you were to kind of provide an antidote anecdote that explains what it is from your personal life i'm curious oh, yeah what so i <laughs> i when i was a kid my family was not not wealthy but we were we were doing okay yeah. and through a series of unfortunate events that happened to my family we lost everything Ooh. literally everything you know, and when I was 10 or 11, yeah, 10 or 11, I remember, you know, bailiff showing up to my childhood home to evict myself, my mother, my brother, my my dad had wasn't around at the time, but 
I remember that very vividly. And I remember every year up until genuinely really quite recently. Yeah. Seeing my mother, my mom really, really work and really sacrifice everything she had for my brother and I just to keep us in a place to live, food on the table, that sort of thing. And it's been, it's been really, really wonderful to see. I don't want to say sacrifice pays off because I don't necessarily believe in the concept of karma. Yeah. But yeah, it really goes to show how much sacrifice truly i think comes from love mm. yeah i think it definitely can right i i am like as i think about it i i feel myself wanting to push back even on that around sure that. and so and i and i think that's indicative of how loaded the word is right um, exactly and it's it's interesting because i i think that there are certain types of sacrifice that are really beautiful and um and generous and then there are types that are really not no um, you're absolutely you know it can come from a place of being very yeah um very self-preservational mm, that's yeah. for sure a thing that can happen but i think i think the root of sacrifice coming from you know, giving something of ourselves yeah, to, for the betterment of, you know, the people around us, I think is really, you know, it, it's so funny last night, just on a whim, I was scrolling through Tubi. My partner and I were scrolling through Tubi and trying to find something to watch. And I came across Man of La Mancha. Okay. Which All I right. have not seen in probably either 23 years. Yeah, I wouldn't like I last saw that like in sixth grade. No, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I think of you know, I mean, clearly Alonzo Quijano was not a well man, but I think of, you know, the impossible dream, the song from the show, which is purely about the idealism of sacrificing oneself for the betterment of yeah the world at large on on one's own quest yeah yeah there, yes it's incredible and i think that's just a, it's a really good opener i think for us to kind of parse out what it means and i i think um you, i think what you just gave me gave me some language i think that helps me differentiate which is to say you're kind of saying when you are giving of yourself, right? Yes. You are sacrificing from what you personally have. And I think a lot of times there are people who have power and agency over others and they choose to sacrifice something that is not just affecting them. Yes. So it's affecting a group of people and they're making a decision on behalf of a lot of people who don't have any power and agency. Absolutely. And that becomes problematic, right? Absolutely. Um, I don't I don't know that I would call that a sacrifice. Which is an interesting question, right? It's like yeah. is right? Am I willing to 
you know, I don't know because, oh, well, I'm losing something too, but also you're, you're taking something from a lot of people. Proportionally, right? Like if I'm, I don't know, say some greedy ass CEO who, uh, I don't know, has, let's say $450 million. And I decide that I want to sacrifice an entire, uh, I don't know, career path, maybe two of them, uh, because there's a cheaper option coming along yep. that will save my shareholders literal pennies. Yeah. I don't call that a sacrifice. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because it's in like, is this an eye of the beholder kind of a situation mm -hmm. where you gets to decide what is and what isn't? Um, which is an interesting question. And so rather than solving all of the problems, yes, we, of course, you've now set a stage for how can this episode help us answer these questions? Mm -hmm. uh, and before we dive in, we have to remind our listeners what happened. In uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, with 30 seconds on the clock, would you like to remind our listeners what happened in the episode? Oh boy. Yeah. I'll give it my best. Amazing. I I'm going to put 30 seconds on the clock and you have three. You will start in three, two, one, go. Okay. Zubaya is injured from the previous episode. Soren advises plenty of fluids. Uh, okay. The, the gang goes to meet Archmage Akiu. They end up with Tidebound Tina. They end up on a fun little quest to try and figure out where Archmage Akiu is. There's some Kareem stuff. Uh, Kareem does something with Kimdale. Oh God. Oh, you know what? I got eight seconds. Uh, shit. Um, Viren, Terry, Viren, Claudia, keep trying to wake him. Yeah, I tried. It didn't happen. I tried. I got halfway through maybe. You know, the important things. I did. Kareem yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah, that was great. Okay. Uh, will you count me in? Sure. You got it. All right, three, two, one, go. Okay, so here's the deal. Ezrin is on a first-name basis with Domina and then knows what prison looks like, which is super cool. And then Callum wants a shiny Nova Blade for murder for, from the Star Scraper. And then Zubea treated uh, by Dr. Soren. And then Ferris hides a purple mark on his neck. And then Kareem wants to steal the Sun Seed from, with Kindale. And then the Dragang heads to the tides and Kiyu. And then Hermit being around. And then Soren gets eaten, doesn't get eaten. And they throw up and then... Terry hides from the Drago, and then Akio leads a little story time, and then uh, that's my time. Zombea. Um, <laughs> uh, you got there. You got the important one in. Yeah, there's a lot going on in this one. So there's much happens. Yeah. Amazing. Well, uh, if you didn't get it all from there, you can pause the episode and go watch, but that's what you get from us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, watch the show. What's your problem? Yeah, Listening to the thing, not watching the show. Just watch the show. Yeah. Um. All right, I'm going to toss it to you first. Like, what what is a, a moment of sacrifice in this episode that you want to turn to? Yes. So, um, I mean, the thing I keep coming back to is Zubaya. Yeah, okay. Truly, like, Zubaya is doing her best to appear strong, even though she has taken a really bad, a really bad wound. She's been hit hard. Yeah. And I see this kind of as the perspective of Zubea is 
probably one of the most powerful beings the group has encountered. Certainly one of, yeah. Certainly one of. There's certainly quite a few of them, but Zubay is a 50-foot-tall dragon. (laughs) (laughs) And on top of that, Zubay is Zim's mother. Yeah. And I, I feel like, you know, she is, and this might be just me projecting my own shit, but she's project she's protecting projecting there it is uh she's doing her best to maintain this this strength this uh this um service to her son and his many friends even though she is you know zombieing for lack of better phrasing yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah so i think what's interesting here is what if for you as mm. you think about this what is being sacrificed what is the the loss that she is does that make sense is a question yeah I, her, it, for me it's herself mm. okay you know it's it is one thing to be uh to be outwardly giving it's another thing to be inwardly right yeah. and as we see towards the end of the episode, we have these awful like 28 days later sparks to what's going on. She's not good. She's not doing great. Yeah. At all. <laughs> yeah. And what is sacrifice if not, you know, giving, giving of yourself? Yeah. So I guess I'm, curious and like i agree i think giving of yourself is certainly a a form of sacrifice i think though it is the sacrifice in the fact that she is withholding that information from the group is that the sacrifice or is the sacrifice that she participated in this battle and got hurt in the first place and is now just enduring this the initial Yeah, that makes sense. Is a quite like I, I uh, yeah. I feel it's kind of threefold here, and okay. I think those two are part of it for sure. I think withholding the information is a sacrifice, because one hundred percent, they could be finding someone to treat her, but they okay. have bigger problems, <laughs> or at least in her eyes, they got bigger fish to fry. So she's prioritizing the goal of the group, the and... needs of the many needs of the many over herself the needs of the few by not asking for help she is creating that opportunity to do that and taking that away from herself okay one that's one two the battle of course like that's huge uh and i guess three is kind of part and parcel with two in that you know she still flew everyone to yep. find tied yep. down Tina. You know, they're clearly expecting her to come pick them up. Yep. You know, it's, uh, it is that service. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's being in service. So that begs the question then is service sacrifice? Mm. I mean, I think, I think it can be. Yeah, I certainly I, think it can be. What well, and that's the question though. What makes it not versus it is versus it isn't? Mm. Um I don't know. Like it's an interesting question, right? Because mm-hmm. in in this case, it feels like being in service of someone else, she already has 
a great need that she is choosing to uh, choose them over herself for. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on top of that, she is choosing to give of her time, energy, capacity, lifespan to in service of other people. And I wonder then, like anytime I am in service of someone else, it feels like one could argue that that is a similar experience. Like if I am going to spend the time, take the time, the energy, the wherewithal to do something in service of you Mm -hmm. instead of choosing me, right? Is that then sacrifice in and of itself? On a smaller scale, I would say, sure, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the difference between uh, if I see uh if i see uh someone go hungry and i offer them half my sandwich mm-hmm. i'm yeah. sacrificing half my sandwich cool that means i have less sandwich but now they have sandwich yeah and i think the argument for like this is where like how much right is like uh well, i wasn't <laughs> i wasn't hungry anymore so it wasn't really a sacrifice to me right versus no i'm still hungry and i'm still choosing to serve this person does one have greater merit than the other? Right. And that's another question. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't, I don't know. That's where it starts to get dicey. Um, because like and and to whom? And so, like again, if I'm full and I have this sandwich, it like of course it would it will it will go to waste, or do I save it for later? This is saving me my you know, my dinner money versus. Um, this person who is in greater need. And so what happens I'm I'm worrying is when we compare service and compare uh, what we have to give and when it's in direct relation to comparison, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so when we begin to, when we start to begin comparing sacrifice, it's like, ooh, that's where I'm like, that feels weird. Um it, it does it it does get dicey there and i mean i would i would offer then that the diciness comes from the comparison yeah and <laughs> I, I think i think sacrifice ultimately does not invite comparison because i feel sacrifice sacrifice in its purest form mm. is not done for for merit Mm. yeah like it's not it's not necessarily done for for you know the points you get off of it it's done because it's the thing that needs to be done yeah 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 okay so this is a i want to compare this to to please yes yes Uh, yes yes like let's talk about sacrifice right oh boy wow Uh, so like we have Zubea who is in personal at personal risk with this sacrifice that we're describing here mm-hmm. in her wound that is clearly becoming more and more infected. Yeah. Um, and I, there is like a metaphorical parallel here with with Claudia mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in terms of Claudia has been for the past several years sacrificing all of her time, energy life force <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, and whatever else she's losing through this dark magic experiment to keep Viren alive. 
And this is a form of sacrifice. And so I guess my, my question here is this sacrifice makes me feel all kinds of wary because as, as it should it is done for someone else. But does that person want it? I Viren very clearly question. doesn't. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. And so what what is what does it mean to sacrifice for others when they don't want what you're sacrificing, right? Like I mean, yeah, I would I would say I feel like and with all love and respect to Raquel, of course, but of course. I I feel like you know, Claudia's Claudia's actions are are well intended but very selfish. Yeah, it fe- that's what it feels like. I'm doing this for me. Yeah. Under the guise of doing it for you. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't I don't blame her necessarily because she has she does feel like she's lost a lot. Yeah. And she has she has lost a lot. She's lost a whole lot over the past few years. But, you know, <laughs> to quote the great sage, killing me won't bring back your honey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's wild to me. And I think this is an example of that time where like and I think dark magic, frankly, mm. is full of this where I'm willing to sacrifice things that don't like encumber me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm willing to take away these things that other people value. Yeah. In order to achieve my ends. Yeah. Right. So sacrificing on my terms someone else's things <laughs> is <laughs> right is is like that is a form of what I would argue is a t- like a- abusive. And so um I don't know. That's a that's a dark take on dark magic, but uh You know, it's not a wrong take though. Yeah. I, I mean, it is dark magic is inherently exploitative. Yeah. Yeah. But is it is it so different than the exploitation of the rainforest? Yeah. I mean, or no. the exploitation <laughs> of the oceans, you know? Uh, I'm certain that's a parallel that the boys the boys would draw. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's uh and we see it in season three, I think, when Viren sacrifices Sarai's breath. Yeah. Wild. Like, wow. In order to in order to cast this spell, which undeniably helps people. Yep. But at what cost? But it's not his thing to give up right that's that's the thing is you you there is so much online as you read about that moment there is so much argument around like what else would he have done right there's so many people who were like that was the only logical choice and then there's so many people who are just like i it's really hard to articulate so i feel like there's a lot of people who say no but it's just bad <laughs> um, i mean porque no los dos right like sí, porque it, it makes sense logically yes it is the only thing he could have done reasonably eh, maybe maybe not quite so cut and dry but the world is rarely so logical as to have binary choices yeah like and like if we can if i could communicate one thing to the masses of people it would be that it would be to stop thinking in binaries (laughs) like uh, 
But even with, you know, as, as the season progresses, and I know, of course, you're going to get to that with future guests, but we see Claudia really sacrifice a lot. Sure does. (laughs) Really, really does. And I wonder then if the sacrifice that Claudia gives, I mean, clearly she feels that is in the pursuit of a greater good of keeping Mm -hmm. Viren alive. But I can't help but wonder what drives that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I really want her to sit down with a therapist for a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, true. It's true. Just and those things. Terry, bless his little soul, doing his best to keep things on track. Yeah. I, I have to say, one of my intrusive thoughts was, when is Claudia going to sacrifice Terry? who knows <laughs> like <laughs> just saying like that was like this it I, I had this thought like you offered this lens i was watching this episode and i was like oh my god terry's being set up for slaughter like this is that was the <laughs> that was literally what went through my head and i was like yeah. oh my god. <laughs> like they're sitting here kissy kissy right now but like Mm-mm, I see what's happening. We'll see. I might be wrong, but you know, here, here's what I'd offer kind of in response to that and thought of that. Um, Claudia, we know Claudia will not sacrifice family. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Now how she views family who fucking knows, but <laughs> yep. Yeah. Clearly. I mean, she had a chance to kill Soren. Didn't. Yep. Yeah. And yet the thought. And yet, <laughs> and yet it's the thought is there. The thought is there. Can't yeah. deny the thoughts. Well, and it just makes, and I think that's an interesting question too, is that for people who are in our own lives that are making choices and exploiting to achieve an end, if I can come to a conclusion of like, okay, who are you going to exploit next? And like, think that, oh my God, they're like, re- like <laughs> if I can make that conclusion about Claudia based off of her actions, right? Uh, whether it's founded or unfounded, if that thought crosses my mind, it's something worth thinking about for the people in our own lives. And I think what happens is these thoughts that come up for us are are doing work for us mm. and they're communicating and sometimes when we trust ourselves we don't necessarily believe it verbatim we don't think okay claudia is actually going to kill terry mm-hmm. but maybe not but it's one of those things where instead it's like oh something's off and i need to start paying attention more to this feeling that i <laughs> that is leading me <laughs> to wonder whether this is going to happen yes I, of course and so like how do we begin to trust our bodies and trust our, like the thoughts and our bodies and our feelings and our gut and begin to not necessarily think, Oh, that's verbatim, but think, Oh, that's telling me something. I should lean more into what I'm trying to trust in <laughs> your gut. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, so I, I had a thought coalesce while you were saying that, that I think, speaks to the lens that we've chosen of sacrifice Mm -hmm. that I don't think sacrifice. I don't think sacrifice requires exploitation. Okay. And this kind of 
speaks back to, you know, kind of what we've been talking about with Claudia. There is an argument to be made, certainly not by me, but perhaps by scholars, that um, Claudia, Claudia attempting to keep Viren alive is an exploitation of Viren and Viren's uh, um, personhood. Yeah. For her own goal, for mm-hmm. her to make herself feel better. Yep. Tracks. And I I would never say that the the love between Terry and Claudia isn't real. I think it is. I think I it very that. much is. I think they get each other and it's cute and I like it. Yep. But I also think that there is a level of of exploitation which I know is again a very loaded word, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I wanna I wanna strip away as much of the loadedness as I can here, just to purely like you know you're you're exploiting someone's kindness, yep, you know you're exploiting someone's uh, um, willingness to help you. You're yep. pushing it a little too far, because yeah. I don't think it's necessarily, I don't think it's malicious. I truly don't think it's malicious. I think it is purely yeah that's... the thing the thing that always demarcates Viren for me and it's something that jason says all the time is that Viren is a man who cannot see the forest for the trees yeah yeah Viren always sees long term he cannot see what is directly in front of him mm-hmm. and in that way claudia is a lot like her father yeah i agree I think it's so interesting too because like the question of intent is a whole nother matter when it comes mm-hmm. to sacrifice, right? Is like I believe Claudia believes that she yeah. is doing this for her father. Absolutely. All of this, she is sacrificing herself, these the all of this for Viren. Mm-hmm. But with this omniscient perspective that we get, we have this inkling that this seems like this is more for her than it is for him. Yeah. And Viren's made it abundantly clear. He just wants to spend his last 30 days. Exactly. Eating the five cakes of Zadia and having a good time with his kid. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's just interesting because I think that it's, it's that it's the discernment of figuring out like your intent and your impact on other people, right? Mm -hmm. an over impact or versus impact rather um is something to consider when you're thinking about who and how and what you're, you're sacrificing. yeah oh yeah. wild yeah uh, truly truly wild <laughs> the other thing that i think you kind of point to I, I think there's there's two more small points i want to please yes to. um one is i feel like kareem is an interesting story here mm-hmm. um, and the sun seed, right? And the, wants to use the sun seed f- to bring back sight to Sol Regum so that it'll change the whole situation. And it's interesting because the sun seed for the, the Sunfire Elves is really important. Incredibly so. Wildly it's like, so. It's like a big deal. Yeah. It is and- uh, to, to drop a little bit of deep lore in there. It is the center of the campaign written into Tales of Zadia. Oh, see, that's super deep. Cool. Yeah. It's it's very honestly like the Tales of Zadia role playing game is fucking dope, and the story that happens in the campaign written into the book 
is canon to the story in the oh, show. Oh, cool. It's very cool. Yeah. Or at least it, it is about canon events in the show. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So, yeah. So, okay, 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 okay. The The idea here, though, being that this is something that he, one could use sacrifice here. But mm-hmm, I, absolutely. But I also think that this is a, a thing that he is choosing to take and steal and use. Um, he is willing to, quote, sacrifice it for the good of those same people that also really want it and mm-hmm. <laughs> want it to be not used for that purpose. Um, and so this is one of those examples we talked about earlier where when you are using when you are sacrificing something that is affecting a great number of people and you yes. are the sole arbiter of whether what is best for them um, is really interesting, right? I think so. I think so. I mean, uh, Kareem is not unjustified in his point. Yeah, and like, and again, we can argue that the intent is still that he believes that this is the right thing to do. Yeah. He's right. a little make Luxaria great again about it, but but I'm seeing a little bit, right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit there, but at the same time, there is an argument to be made that you know, as as a staunch traditionalist, he sees what's going on with his, you know, uh, with the queen of the Sunfire Elves marrying a human, or at least you know, being betrothed to a human. And I think it's interesting because it shows that the prejudice that existed in the previous, that exists still yeah. in, <laughs> in the world of the Dragon Prince has never been purely one-sided. No, no. Yeah. Again, it just, it, I just, when is it going to be simple? Right. <laughs> Easy. When indeed. Full and like fine and dandy. And it's just like. <laughs> it's just, it just never is. Ugh. No, no. How, why? Why would it be? How? Yeah. yeah but why? no. And, you know, there there is argument to be made for poor Saul Regum, too. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think something. And again, this speaks to what I feel is the specialness of the show. There really aren't that many people who are cut and dried bad guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Everyone has a purpose. Everyone has a reason. You know, and it's... No one is cartoonishly evil for the sake of being cartoonishly evil. <laughs> exactly. They they have their moments, sure, but... Everything Viren did, he did in service to Catullus and his family. Yeah. But it could also be argued that everything Viren did was in service to himself. Yeah, exactly. And that parallel with Claudia, everything she's doing is for the sake of her family. Yeah. Is it really, though? Which, again, it just begs the question and the, like, the eth- what is the ethos that is going to lead us to a path where we can be in, as Martin Luther King would have put it, beloved community, right? Where, Mm. how do we cultivate a a space in which we are in community and we are all loving one another? And uh, what what I'm learning and what I'm gathering here 
from at least a sacrificial point of view is that making a sacrifice unilaterally doesn't seem to lead to to good ethical <laughs> sacrifice right um i i think what we're what we're seeing is that when we are in conversation and working towards a community goal um that's when it seems to have more impact. And so like all of these characters are, and I say all, the dragging in particular are sacrificing the comfort of their lives and all of the choices they, they could be making. It's like Ezrin could be king and just yeah. be eating tarts all day long. He and, could be doing great. Right? And yeah. instead they're pursuing this mission, right? For the, for the greater good, so to speak. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, I think that sometimes we forget that anytime we make a choice, we are sacrificing what could have been. Mm -hmm. And, and I think often we forget that about people making choices. Right. And I, I wonder if it would help us give people more grace by recognizing that when they choose to do one thing, they have inherently given up the capacity to do something else. I mean, I think that's, that's one of the most important things about it. You know, there is so much, that can be said or done about uh, being, being giving of oneself. Yeah. But at the end of the day, everything we do, you know, there, there's a series of split universes where we made just a different choice and something else happened. You know, I could have been an interior designer. I wouldn't have been good at one. I'm not a good artist, Me on, but <laughs> I could have been. Yeah. Uh, I could have continued doing my my history degree and ended up a bartender. A history degree? I didn't I know. Was history, I had a history uh, thing going on. Look at that. Yeah. But uh, every choice, I think, and to speak to what you were saying with regards to communal, communal-led choices being the way to go. Yeah. Ultimately, I think it is it is truly about community and it's about making the choice that's right for the community, not just, you know, a small section of the community or yeah. a small section of people in control. And we see it even with, uh, with, you know, organizations that do, that are rife with corruption. Yeah. <laughs> the Lord knows they're all over the place, but we need to be, we need to make the choices. Yeah. We need to make the choices and we can't rely on other people to make choices for us, unfortunately, because mm. then you get the CEO who scraps the entire series off Disney plus because they want to save on residuals for writers or whatever. Yeah. 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 Or rebrand a show after three seasons so that you can pay people less. Yeah. Oh, Disney. Yeah, uh, here we are. Um, all right. Well, this brings us to a nice stopping point. We're going to take a short break and come on back to you with our sacred practice and gratitude for our final segment. So don't go away and enjoy the musical interlude.
with us. We had a chance to, you know, take a breather and we're going to dive into a sacred practice. And this is going to be a new practice for this season. Uh, and Jesse has graciously agreed to, to do it with me. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to explain what it is and how we do it. And then we're going to do it together. Uh, how's that sound? Does that sound cool? Sounds great. Sounds great. See listeners take it from Jesse. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, the practice we're going to try today is called florilegia. And in Latin, what that means is a gathering of flowers. And that stems from a history of people, uh, primarily priests and ministers, who read sacred texts, and they are, quote, picking metaphorical flowers uh, from the text in order to form a bouquet of, of, of these flowers. And flowers are, of course, beautiful in their own context when they're, when they're planted or wild or uh, wherever they're growing. And in that way, but when you pick that flower and you bring a bunch of them together, the experience shifts and it changes. And sometimes you see the flowers in a new light and it provides a deeper meaning to the original uh, understanding. And so this is what we're going to attempt to do with this episode of The Dragon Prince. And uh, the way we're going to do it is we're going to pick a flower or sparklet, something that sparkled up from us uh, while we were watching the episode. And we're going to hear the quote that we picked. And then what we're going to do is we're going to treat it as if it were a bouquet and then put them together and see how they smell together. Um, and, <laughs> and if it changes the meaning at all. So with that in mind, Jesse, uh, you have brought a sparklet. Um, I have. Tell me, what is what is your sparklet? My sparklet is from early in the episode, and it is Zubaya, who I've been talking about the entire goddamn episode. So here we are. Yeah. Uh, saying, I will be fine, sweet human. Yes. I I was watching and I was thinking about, okay, I need to find a line. I need what's sparkling up at me. And I was like, oh, that one's really good. <laughs> um, so it definitely is a, a, a really pretty flower. I, I there, And there's so much to it. And before mm -hmm. you kind of tell me more about why that sparkled up at you, um, I will share what sparkled up at me. Um, so I picked the line, they have a rich inner life. <laughs> um, <laughs> And this is, of course, Ezrin, who is speaking about this uh, sea cucumber slug thing. Uh, <laughs> a little dopey face. Yeah. Yeah. Promptly gets eaten by a carrion gull. Um, <clears throat> but uh, it's an interesting line that we've both picked. And before we kind of uh, go through and um, learn why we picked it in particular, what we're going to do is we're going to read them together and see how that affects us or if it changes the meaning at all for us. Once we go through that, we will pause and then explain why we picked it and see if that illuminates it even further. So I will read them together. They have a rich inner life. I will be fine, sweet human. So. Jesse, mm. when you hear these two lines together, what does it make you think of? 
Ooh, I mean, in context of the show or just in general? Either. Either, yeah. okay. In any direction you want. I mean, I think hearing these lines together speaks to the inner richness and beauty within all of us yeah as people and also out of context our perseverance mm. Mm. say more like from where's that perseverance coming from in this well to me what i'm hearing when i hear they have rich in her life i will be fine sweet human is we are inherently built to survive. Mm. We are built to be resilient. If not resilient, at least uh, adaptable. Yeah. Maybe a better way to look at it. And how could we be so adaptable? How could we be so resourceful? How could we be so um, driven? Yeah. Driven to live, mm. if not for allowing ourselves a rich inner life. Oh man! All right, mic drop. Um, <laughs> no, that's so good. I like. I I think that to think that like having a rich inner life is what enables one to say, "I will be fine." Yeah, right. Is that's a really beautiful thought, right? The yeah, I think that's amazing. And I, I think about what it means to have like the inner life versus this, what is an inner life versus an outer life of like, and I, it, you know, when I think about this slug, it's that they are, <laughs> they're, 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 they're internal, right? They're thinking introspectively. They don't, you know, literally talk, but they just kind of sit there and they're content <laughs> with, they vibe. with, yeah. with their thoughts, right? And I think that that's so interesting, like to be content with one's thoughts, is um a form of resilience which is super neat as a as a phrase i love that it's um, very zen yeah yeah super zen for sure so okay so for me where my head went was rather than having um ezrin say that first line i'm having zubeya say both of them mm. um and so She's speaking to Soren in this moment, and she's talking to him about something. They have a rich inner life. I will be fine, sweet human. And I think about what that what that could mean. And the fact that there are so many things that are good and uh, beautiful around the world. And I think about you know, how Soren in particular has really struggled with dragons and not all dragons speak uh especially speak often uh like for instance we learned that pura does speak in the reflection um leading up to the season but uh for the longest time it was like it, there was a kind of almost a dichotomy between arch dragons who speak a lot and then like not arch dragons who don't we don't see <laughs> um and it's interesting because I imagine her talking to Soren about dragons and saying, even though they don't speak, they have a rich inner life. Mm, I'll I like be that. Right. I'll be fine. Um, and so like, and it leads me to like, we, 
I, we talked about this when you mentioned this, but so Soren and Zubair are, are becoming fast friends. And it's this interesting relationship that seems to be more on Soren's part around growing more accustomed to being around dragons and seeing them as, um, you know, sentient beings that people, are people. Yeah. yeah. That are people. Exactly. And so, yeah, I don't know. I just imagine her saying both of these to him in that way. I like that. I like yeah. that. That's a that's an interesting reflection. Oh, well, thank you. Because <laughs> I kind of I kind of I, I vibe with that because I could see that sense of you know I will be fine. Experience speaking or or connecting with other dragons. Yeah. You know. You know I talk. You know we can talk. You know we're friends. Exactly. Go make yeah. more friends. Yeah. Well, and it's also like not only that, but it's also this <clears throat> way of saying dragons have a rich inner life. I'll be fine. <laughs> right. Yeah. Especially in the context of this moment where she is covering up her pain. Right. Yeah. Right. Where she is, she is literally <laughs> bleeding. Yeah. And uh, you know, listen, dragons are gonna be okay. I'm gonna be okay. Right. And it's a it's a comforting thing that that is happening here. I think that it's really beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we're gonna revisit now. Like, why, 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 why did this sparkle up at you? Why did this line from Zubaya in particular, out of twenty minutes of of runtime, you picked this? Like, why yeah. this line? I, you know, I had a couple that I was thinking through, but every line that came back to me was Zubaya as I was thinking about it. And I think part of it is because she has come so far from you know, the last episode of season three. Yeah. <laughs> where, you know, she's just queen of the dragons. Cool. We get it. But there's so much more to her. And, you know, maybe this is a result of seeing the Barbie movie recently, but there's something <laughs> I think that is really beautiful about Zubeya as a mother mm. yeah. and Zubeya not only having that instinct to mother Zim but I mean she's also she's hiding her injury from Soren who is her friend but who is also undeniably tiny little human yeah it's like oh little baby. your kid's friend oh. yeah <laughs> Oh, you sweet human. Yeah. Yeah. You're hiding your injury from fucking Mark, who's in your kid's Spanish class. <laughs> no. There is uh there is that that to bring it all back around, that lens of sacrifice. There yeah. is that sense of I am making sure that you think I'm okay. Because otherwise you're going to worry and you're not going to be able to pay attention to the shit that actually needs attention paid to it right now. Yeah. Which, to be fair, Zubaya definitely needs attention paid to her right now. For sure. 1,000%. Yeah. And, you know, there is an argu argument to be made that she should be prioritizing her own health. Mm -hmm. And she should be prioritizing her own safety. What is it they say? Pull the pull the plank out of your own eye before you take the splinter out of your brother's. <laughs> oh, I've never heard that before. Wild, yeah, I know, crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
it, it speaks to her it speaks to her motivations and it speaks to her overall character that she would prioritize the health and safety of the world the realm yeah. over her own yeah worthy of sparkles that's worthy sure. of sparkles yeah okay so and you me me now um, you know yeah i you know i i think about like how Ezrin's an interesting character for me because in a way, I think the critique of if we meta a little bit, the critique of Ezrin, I think, is often like one, he's so young, and how is he so like so young and so wise and also like so uh empathetic and so good. It seems a little bit to like quote Mary Sue, like situation mm. or Pollyanna or and the the I think that this, I think we forget that Ezrin is constantly hearing the thoughts of animals. Yeah. Um, that he can have full conversations with animals, that he is in dialogue with twice as many things as any human is. At all times. And he can At, hear yeah. it too. And so like, it makes sense to me that he is so caring because he is sees creation differently yeah. than people do and the fact that when like when they have a rich inner life is he is communicating to his friends that this slug right is is beautiful is is more than what it appears and that ever like i just i love it <laughs> it's just it's so like and i think that it just speaks to why ezrin is the way it is why he is the way he is rather um so yeah, I mean it just it sparkled up at me because of that, I think. It's a it's a beautiful line. I like that. I like that. It it does speak to the concept and I'm glad you said it that Ezrin I mean of everybody in the show, I think Ezrin has probably the rich in richest inner life. <laughs> I think that's fair. I think that's true. Cuz it's, you know, I I I would compare it to walking around Walking around uh, a foreign country and not knowing the language. You know, if you're with your travel companions, everybody speaks English, say uh, you're going to understand what they're saying. Everyone around you, it's going to be white noise. You might pick up a word here or there that you've picked up on Duolingo or whatever. Not (laughs) sponsored. Um, But you have no idea what's happening in the world around you. Mm-hmm. versus if you were to go to say uh italy and you speak italian and you speak english yeah then <laughs> it's a completely different understanding you have an understanding of the world around you you may not understand the customs yet mm-hmm. but you will understand the words you will understand when someone says you know oh watch out there's a truck coming or something yeah yeah, you'll be able to pick that up. And that's the state that Ezrin constantly lives in. He speaks every language. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, and it's interesting. We talk about dehumanization. And I mm. think it's I think that's a too narrow a term here because it's not dehumanization. It's the depersonhoodization of right because of the animal kingdom. Yeah. yeah, like and so Ezrin sees animals as people. Yeah. And, you know, that's what separates him from Claudia, right? Yeah. Claudia sees them as animals, tools. Yeah. as tools, right? And um, 
yeah, I wonder what it would be like if more people saw the world the way Ezra did. Mm-hmm. It'd be very interesting. Yeah. Oh wow. Well, that uh, I, 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 there are lots of ways to do florilegia, and there are lots of ways to continue the practice. For instance, you could rearrange the bouquet and put them in a different order. Um, a lot of times, people will have uh, do this with a group of people and have three or four or five people that bring a quote, and all of a sudden, it creates like almost a miniature poem that you can yeah, read. like a like a word a word yeah. poem. Interesting. So there's lots of ways to do this, and so. Um, if this is a practice that strikes you at home while you're listening, feel free to adapt it to your liking. And if you search for it on Google, you'll find a lot of information about it. So um, enjoy if that was interesting or fun for you. Um, which brings us to our final practice, which is gratitude. Um, Jesse, who's a character you're grateful for in this episode? Um, I don't want to say Zubay. I've talked about Zubay enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so it's <laughs> so easy I, i'm good uh terry yeah okay tell me why terry uh well i've i've spoken very little about terry this episode because terry is just a sweet bean that needs to be protected at all costs yeah, a little cinnamon roll he has like and the thing that always strikes me about terry and this speaks to the 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 um authenticity and honesty that ben brings to the role because yeah. I, I truly love him. I think his work is outstanding. Um, the thing that always strikes me about Terry is Terry is always trying his best. Yeah. Terry's always trying his best. And he's always trying to make things okay for everybody. And I mean, <laughs> what what has Terry given up to be where he is now? That's what I was just about to ask. Like, he, what is he sacrificing to be here? Who knows? Who yeah. knows, but it must be a lot. <laughs> yeah. His comfort, his 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 own personal sanity. Who knows? We do crazy things when we're in love. That's for sure. <laughs> and I think Terry is Terry is the rock holding that team together. Agreed. Over. At least that team sanity together. Yeah, I don't know. I could I like I couldn't imagine what would be different if terry wasn't there right It'd no be, but, mm. different show completely <laughs> yeah. different show yeah exactly but yeah terry's terry's my uh terry's my gratitude here because it's it's he provides such an important and valuable i don't want to say service perspective yeah to claudia and to viren and especially to claudia in terms of keeping her humanity just a little tushy dance a little dance a little fun dance talk to the beast <laughs> yeah oh so good i love it wow okay so and for yourself for myself i'm, I'm, I'm like this is an interesting one because like i want to say ezrin um and in a similar vein i'm like i talked about ezrin already uh, <laughs> uh, so i you know what's interesting like i'm I am going to talk through this and tell, help me understand why I'm, I'm grateful here. I, I mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, Tidebound Tina, Archmage Akiyu is an interesting character. Very much. Uh, and what's really fascinating about this is, to me, it felt like the the murder plot to take down the dragging um, felt a little half-assed, if mm-hmm. I do so myself. Um, like, I... it 
it did not seem like she was trying very hard to kill them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then post that, uh, she does her best to like fake her own death to get them to leave. And it seems like she's trying all of these avenues. Um, but the part I think that is most like why I'm hinging on this is that as soon as she hears Ezrin, who immediately pours, why why would you do that? We're just trying to save the world from these people who already found the location. And she just snaps out of it and says, what? Um, and she just understands the gravity of the situation. Yeah. And she listens to this 14-year-old. Um, and I think that so often adults fail to listen to young people. Um, and I, I just, I, I think that she tr- did her best <laughs> to try and kill them moments before, yeah. uh, which I argued do- I don't think was her best work. Um, no, she could have done much, much more. Yeah, I feel she's like an she- archmage. Exactly <laughs> right. Like, listen, I'm just saying this. There, there's a whole other episode around like why did she half-ass this? Um, but I digress. Anyway, I think listening to kids is one of the greatest things we can do, and so that is, I think, why I will be grateful for for the archmage. I like that. I like that a lot that, um, you know, it's a lesson that that I've thought about a lot because I used to teach kids. Yeah. You know, when I was teaching Capoeira and even when I was teaching our niece in my, you know, 20s and my early to late 20s, I was doing a lot of teaching and I was a very different person then than I am now. You know, I was a lot more. I mean, who who wasn't really? But I was a lot more hard-assed in my teaching. I was a lot more militant in my teaching. And I've come to realize, like, what what's the point? What is the point, indeed? What's the point, you know? People need to feel, children especially, need to feel inspired. They need to feel uh, wanted, mm. valued. Yes. Preach. Keep going. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think it's it is truly a failure of modern traditionalist practice that so much of it stems around children being seen and not heard. Yeah. Yep. Here, here. I agree. Even though Ezrin's 14. Yeah. Clearly Ezrin's opinion matters a lot. He's the king. He is a king. Yeah. He's a king. <laughs> yeah. And even if he wasn't a king, he talks to animals. And even if he didn't speak to animals, he's still a guy. (laughs) Still a wildly powerful group of young people here. It's kind of nuts, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, ugh, yes. Okay. That brings us to the end of the episode. We have have done it again. We are. We are. You're getting, you're, you know, we're becoming pros at this. If you want to be found uh, by any of our listeners, uh, how would you like them to to find you? For sure. Um, I am, I'm on all the socials at Jane Ocalia. I have basically abandoned my Twitter at this point. Yeah. Boy, I don't want to give that guy money. That guy sucks. Yeah. Here, here. But I'm on, I'm on blue sky. I'm on uh, Instagram. Of course Uh, I have a cameo now. So if you want to, get me to do video shout outs for you. You can do that. It's, I think it's just Jane Ocalia as well. Um, 
and I don't know, check out my adventures with Superman. It's dope. I, I had such a great time being a part of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry. I'm wary of most Superman things that come out. Like that's there are a lot of bad Superman things. But true. I, I was like, wow, this is, this is really good. It's genuinely really good. I know I'm, I am so superhero fatigued. Yeah. And my adventures with Superman hits different. It does. It genuinely I, hits different. It, and it doesn't hit different like the boys or invincible, which both also hit different, but yeah, it's very, it's very fun. It's very sweet. It still hits hard. And I like to describe the brain as Superman's gay uncle. So that's fun for me. <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> He's like the grumpy gay uncle and Mala yeah. is like the loving gay uncle. That's right. Yep. I love it. Amazing. Well, Jesse, thank you so much. This has been an incredible episode. I am looking forward to to hearing back from all of our listeners, especially from our Patreon supporters. We have a, a little thread going on Instagram uh, where we all chit chat about random Ooh. things. And uh, I am excited. Also, we have live episodes monthly on our Patreon, BND underscore pod, where you can have live conversations with me and some patrons. Um, and... Uh, also lots of other cool things that you can enjoy there oh yeah uh, so Sub up on that patreon gang yeah yeah you heard it from jesse <laughs> do it why not <laughs> that's right do that and then go get a, a cameo uh and we'll all be square um all right y'all thanks so much for listening this has been another episode of bending not breaking and the dragon pod until next time be well and